Today's scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 29 through 38. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, everybody. Merry Christmas. Um, I know it's about a week early, but I love Christmas, and I want to squeeze every little bit out of it that I can. Um, you know, Christmas is definitely um, my favorite time of the year. I'm sure I'm not the only one, right? And, uh, you know, I think Christmas for me is, is really special because um, of a lot of things. Um, all the little ways that reminds me of God's love and, and blessings, um, you know, as little kids, I think we're a little center here, as little kids, you know, we remember the excitement of, you know, going to the Christmas tree and finding a present there that wasn't there the night before, and you're like, oh my goodness, it was Santa Claus. You know, if, if your parents did that sort of thing, maybe some of you didn't, but um, my parents did that. Uh, they tricked us, and so, um, you know, we thought that Santa Claus was real, and I thought that reindeer, you know, were real, and, um, but that kind of added to the, the uh, you know, mystery and excitement of Christmas as a child. Um, and then as, you know, adults, we like to give gifts and we like to see, you know, the, the faces of our kids just light up and they're like, you know, jumping up and down for joy. And, you know, we're just thinking, man, you know, they're so happy about this little gift that we got them. And um, I wish they could be so happy about other things, right? But we get to see that, that pure exaltation of the kid, um, you know, receiving a gift. Uh, you know, we have times that we can spend time, you know, with our family and friends uh, we can have parties, we can have ugly sweater, you know, Christmas parties. Um, I like those, those are fun because that's a chance for us to actually like, especially the hoarders, right? We get to actually show off because like, man, you actually kept a sweater from like 1980 um, and we get to actually use that and um, win a contest or something, I don't know. Uh, by the way, this is not this, this upcoming potluck. We're not having an ugly sweater contest, right? So if you see somebody wearing a sweater, but you think it's ugly, just, you know, don't say anything because you don't know. Just be on the safe side, compliment them. Um, 
So there's all these wonderful reasons, right, why we enjoy uh, Christmas. And, um, you know, like I said before, um, it just reminds me of all the, the little ways that, that God loves us and blesses us, and we get to celebrate that together. And so this is all kind of a reflection of Christ and the loving relationship that he has, you know, created, he has forged with us. And so in that vein, um, I want to share with you, I'm really excited about getting to share with you today a blessing that uh, I know that God wants to impart to you today. He really wants you to get this uh, because it's been such a blessing for me, um, especially in the last few months. I may have some time at the end to share that a little bit. So let's start, okay? Um, One of the main things that will help us today is to start off with this understanding of Christmas. Christmas Day is about the arrival of something or someone that we have been waiting for, right? Um, Or at some point in history, people were waiting for. And so like waiting for a gift and, you know, finally it arrives or waiting for something that you ordered on Amazon and you saved up all your cards, you know, Amazon cards that you got and you finally use it for this and it finally arrives. Christmas Day is about the arrival of something that you have been, um, someone who has been eagerly awaited for in history. And so Christmas, you know, different historians talk about when Jesus was actually born. Was he actually born in like December, you know, winter uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere? There's, you know, it's debatable. Um, But that's not the point. The point is that all the Christians around the world at some point decide, you know what? There should be a day where we celebrate the fact that God is with us, the fact that God did not forsake us, the fact that God did not forget all of his promises to us. And that day, they decided, would be Christmas Day, the day that we celebrate with Christians all around the world that the Savior whom we have waited for, has finally arrived. Finally arrived, all that waiting. And so, um, all that being said, all of that could mean absolutely nothing if not for one very important thing. There's a very important ingredient that is required for anyone to benefit from the blessing of Christmas, a true blessing of Christmas. And without this ingredient, we could just totally miss out. And that ingredient is faith. Faith. If I don't personally trust in Jesus, then how can I have a personal relationship with Jesus? And if I can't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then Christmas is just, you know, it's just another day for corporations to make a whole lot of money, right? That's all it is. Or it's a time to like go celebrate and get time off work or school and hang out with my buddies. And that's all Christmas is. Because I don't believe, if I don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if I don't have faith, Christmas just becomes nothing. Faith is kind of the topic I want to bring to you today. And that's the title, right? It says, Christmas and Mary's Challenge of Faith. 
So without this personal relationship with Jesus, we can miss out on the things that God, I'm going to call him Yahweh, because there's so many generic names for God these days. Yahweh, which is a personal name of the God of the Bible. We can miss out on the things that Yahweh meant for us in sending his son. Without faith, we don't understand why we're here. We don't understand who God is. We don't understand any of that if we don't trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, I understand that having faith sometimes, as essential as it is, is really hard to do, right? Aren't there times, let's be honest, where it's really hard to trust in God? Not just, I mean, not even, let's not even talk about God. I mean, just trusting in people, right? We can, it's, it's so hard to trust. And we can like see and hear and touch people, right? And a lot of times it's so much harder to trust God because we can't see him. We can't touch him. And sometimes it gets very difficult. Certain situations in life, things don't go as a way, you know, that we planned. And it gets very difficult to trust in God and to have faith in God. As important as it is, it's hard to do, right? Anyone else here? Resonate with that? Yeah? Anybody? No, everybody's got perfect faith. Wow, I need to wrap it up and we're good. Um, I need this. Uh, so we're going to delve into the challenge of having faith in Yahweh. And we're going to do that by kind of looking at Mary's challenge of faith that she uh, faced here in Luke 1. So let's take a look at this passage, Luke 1. And, I mean, so there's a lot going on, so we're not going to go into all of this stuff, but um, as you have probably heard on the radio, or you're just familiar with this passage, even if you're not a believer of Jesus, you probably have heard something like this at some point. If you watch Charlie Brown, you know, Christmas, they actually quote this passage, so you ever watched it there, you've actually heard the gospel, um, whether you knew it or not. I didn't know it until years later. Oh, that's kind of cool. So anyway, um, the angel Gabriel comes, and he gives this message. Greetings, O favored one, talking to Mary. The Lord is with you. And she has an interesting, but, uh, you know, actually, you know, very... um, expected reaction. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Imagine this, right? Uh, Last, you know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Joe talked about the angel visiting Joseph, right? So we're talking about the angel visiting Mary today. And um, he gave some good, you know, kind of descriptions of what that must must have felt like. And and it's, it's all true. I mean, imagine an angel of the Lord coming and appearing to you. Now, when an angel of the Lord would come and appear to you, basically, it like means one of two things. Good news or bad news, <laughs> okay? Like, it's either really good or it's either really bad and you may need to fear for your life. So, Mary, being a Jew, probably familiar with 
all of the history, all the stories, somehow at some point is able to recognize this is an angel of God. And then she's like, her mind, can you just imagine your, your, your mind is racing to all those stories you've heard at your grandmother's feet sitting there and you're like, it's happening to me. I cannot believe this. Oh, wait a minute. This is either good or really bad. She didn't know, right, at this point. I mean, he says, oh, favored one, but, you know, it's still kind of shocking. So she's trying, it says here, she's trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Is it good? Is it bad? What is it? And so Gabriel, not being a cruel angel (laughs) and not making Mary wait, says, not be afraid, Mary. The angel of the Lord Gabriel is is very compassionate. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And so he goes on to tell her what's going to happen. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which, uh, again, is worth worth mentioning. Jesus is actually the Greek version of the Hebrew name uh, Yeshua, which means salvation, uh, which implies salvation from Yahweh. Okay? So, Uh, it kind of loses its sense, right? Jesus is like, what does Jesus mean? Actually, Jesus has a meaning, Yeshua, salvation. So again, think about this. This is Mary listening with her Hebrew ears and her, 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 her Hebrew, her Jewish mind and culture when the angel comes to her and says, you shall call him Yeshua, salvation. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What's going on here? Gabriel continues, he will be a great, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his, of his kingdom, there will be no end. This guys is literally a messianic pronunciation, messianic announcement, pronouncement from the angel. If you are a Jew and have been paying any kind of attention uh, to your parents or grandparents or uh, whatever, you know, forms of schooling that, or training or oral traditions that they had, you would understand that whenever you hear these kinds of words, son of the most high, the throne of the father David, reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there's no end, you automatically know, oh, we're talking about the Messiah, the prophesied one, the Mashiach, as they say. So now Mary, having heard this, <laughs> I don't know, you know, it, it, one day when we all are, are together after Jesus returns, it'd be fun to have a conversation with Mary, right? What were you thinking? In the gospel, it says that your first question was, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But I don't know. I would have, if I were you, my first question would have been, wait, me? <laughs> you, you want me to be the, the, the mother of, 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 of the Messiah? Oh, mama, you know, I'd be scared. I'd be, I'd be shaking my boots. I'd be like, no, I, I don't want this. This is, I, I'm not worthy. Like, I can't. This is too much pressure. Think about that. You must raise the Messiah of the world. I don't even know how to change a diaper, <laughs> right? 
I don't even know how to nurse a baby. And you want me to raise up the Messiah of the world? Like, but she does ask a, another rational question. I'm a virgin, so how am I going to have a son? And so you can see in the face of this ridiculous pronouncement from an angel. Remember, let's remember, this is an angel. <laughs> she's processing. She's, she's first like shocked, right? And she's trying to discern what kind of greeting this is going to be. Like, should I run? <laughs> you know, is this angel going to chase me and strike me down? Or is this like a good thing today that this angel is talking to me? And then she's, she's trying to she understood what, what the angel said and is trying to now starting to understand and like, well, well, wait a minute, right? So she's, she's asking a, a, a follow-up question like, how can this be because I'm a virgin? So she's, she's processing this. She's going through this challenge of faith, right? And the angel answered her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and explains everything. The power of the Most High, who is Yahweh, will overshadow you, will envelop you, is, is the, the Greek word. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy because it's from God, the Son, capital S, Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with uh, her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary's asking the question, how am I going to conceive a son? I'm a virgin. Um, and then she probably knows about Elizabeth's situation because later on we find out, and we'll get to it, she actually visits Elizabeth, her relative, so close enough to know that Elizabeth is much older than she and she's been married for much longer to a man named Zechariah and they are barren. They haven't had any children. So now <laughs> she's hearing, you're going to be the mom of a Messiah or the Messiah and your relative who's barren, who's never had a child and the whole town knows she's never going to have one even though they pray and pray. Zechariah the priest has been praying and praying. She's going to have a baby too. Why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. Interesting how the tense there, notice in verse 37, the tense that Gabriel uses, for not nothing is impossible, but nothing will be impossible. Future tense. Nothing will be impossible with God. In verse 38, we come, I think, to the resolution of Mary's challenge, at least the beginning, I think, because this is all pretty quick, right? It's hard to absorb everything that's going on. But Mary says, verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She receives it. She received this word. What does that mean? Put yourself in her shoes. For you to hear all this and then say, I am the servant of the Lord, it be to me according to your word. You're basically saying, okay, I trust you. 
It doesn't make any sense at all. And I don't know how exactly this is all going to work out. You've explained a little bit to me. You've given me some details. But let it be according to your word. Mary, in the face of this challenge of faith, has, due to various reasons and factors, made a decision, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe in the word, the messenger of Yahweh, the word of Yahweh. Now, remember that Mary was a Jew. And as a Jew living in the first uh, century, they lived at a time when the prophets of Yahweh had been silent for 400 years. 400 years, they hadn't heard a peep from Yahweh through his prophets. Now, compared to 400 years, I'm only 46 years old. But even in my short time here on earth, I have sometimes felt like God has been very silent. Right? But here... The Jews are, and God hasn't said anything through his prophets for 400 years. Has Yahweh forgotten his people? Now, it's really easy for you and me sitting here in 2019, right, to say, no, he, he, he didn't forget. Because, you know, sitting from our perch, right, we can see that John the Baptist did come. We can see that Jesus was born. We can see that he was crucified. We can see that he was resurrected. We can see that the Holy Spirit did come to the church. We can see all of that from our perch. But let's give the people in the Bible some credit here. They didn't have the benefit of all of that, did they, they, right? And so it's very understandable that someone in that time, looking at 400 years of silence from the prophets of Yahweh, say, <laughs> God has said, sayonara, if even there was a God. You see? We're talking 400 years. How many years have you lived, and how many times have you asked that question or wondered, I wonder if God forgot me? I wonder if God's even there. It was very rational, very understandable, right? Given their knowledge of their immediate surroundings, that, yeah, they could come to that conclusion as erroneous as it was that Yahweh had forgotten his people and his promises to send them a savior for their sins. So for Mary to get this news um, and then to accept this I think we really have to sit and reflect that this was not a very simple thing for Mary to like. It just wasn't like, boop, you know, there's a whole backstory to what's going on. And so for her to take that step and say, I'm the servant of the Lord and let it be according to your word. That was a step of faith. It wasn't a step of like, 
just in a vacuum. Just, okay, you said it, sure. There was a struggle, there was questioning, there was doubt. And then there was a decision to trust. And that was Mary. So, um, I want to give you a faith encouragement, uh, a couple of them uh, throughout this sermon today. And here's the first one. You, maybe you want to write this down. I would encourage you to write these down. Faith encouragement number one. Questions, struggle, and challenge often come before faith. I hope that's an encouragement to you, especially if you are going currently through a time of questions and struggles and challenge and things in your life are not going the way you wish they would go. And the encouragement is, in this time of not knowing, in this time of the 400 years of silence, you can know that faith comes because Jesus has come, right? Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. But because of God, we can have faith because of his faithfulness. So notice uh, for, that's point number one, faith encouragement number one. Faith encouragement number two, I want to draw your attention to verse uh, 38. As I said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord and let it be to me according to your word. Notice that Mary, when she says she trusts Yahweh, she's not trusting only in word. She's also joining Yahweh, right, in this action. She's participating. She's not just like passive, like, okay, right? But she's joining. She's saying, I am the servant. What does that imply? That I will do as you ask me to do. That's, what is, that's the nature of it. That's the definition of a servant, right? And then she says, let it be to me according to your word. Like, I will do. I am at your disposal. I am your servant. Let it be as you say. So she, faith, we can learn from this from Mary. Faith is not just a cognitive acknowledgement of something. That is a big part of it, but that's not the finished product. That's not the end of it. The end of it is, as Mary says here, a joining deed action. There's a joining with God in his activity. So faith encouragement number two um, is that you can see that your faith will result as small as your faith may seem. It will result in some kind of fruitful action, in some kind of fruitful outcome. And in your faith, as you come to these challenges and struggles, you'll get to enjoy the privilege of joining with God in his divine activity. Think about that. Imagine putting that on your, your resume. I have joined with God in his divine activity to redeem all of the cosmos. That's a pretty cool resume. And that happens in faith, 
because we trust in faith. We have faith, right? We trust not only with our words, but we trust with our actions, as the book of James says over and over again, right? The completion of faith is actions, it says. Faith without works is dead, it says. So that's faith encouragement number two. Number three, faith encouragement number three, we go to, uh, for that, we go to um, this story here that follows right after picking up in verse 39. Um, Mary visits Elizabeth. And so remember, Elizabeth has just, uh, you know, realized that she's going to have a baby. She's been barren for all, she's an old woman. Did not expect to have a baby, but now they're going to have a baby. And then Mary comes and visits her. And then literally, when Elizabeth hears Mary greet her, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps in her womb. (laughs) And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaims with a loud cry to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this grant to 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 me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She already knows that this is the Messiah. The mother of my Lord, Elizabeth is saying that the fruit of the womb, that baby inside Mary's womb is actually my Lord, the King of Kings, the Messiah, right? The Hamashiach, right? The Messiah. And what kind of favor is it that you should come to me, the mother of my Lord? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's John the Baptist, right? John the Baptizer. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Wow, talk about prophetic words. Listen to that verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God had spoken. She is making another, yet another pronouncement to Mary that you're blessed, not only because you're going to be the mother of the Messiah, but also because... You believed. You believed. God came to you in this crazy form, said this crazy thing that we haven't heard from God for 400 years, and yet you believed. Blessed are you, Mary. Blessed are you. You guys know that verse in Hebrews 11, right, about faith? Faith is the assurance of things that we have not seen, things that we hope for, right? The assurance of things, of our conviction that the fulfillment of God is going to happen. And so I'm sure the writer of Hebrews had Mary in mind, along with all those other heroes of faith that are mentioned later in that book. She is blessed because she believed. Now imagine you're Mary and you hear Elizabeth, this woman whom you respect, you know, her, her husband is Zechariah, one of the priests of the temple, and, and the older woman is coming to her and saying, like, blessed are you, and what favor is granted me today that you, the, you know, the mother of my Lord would come visit me? She's like putting herself under Mary, right? She's kind of like glorifying, kind of like praising Mary, and encouraging her. And I think that's, I I see something there that's really important. In the face of 
all the struggles we have in trying to trust God and you know, the challenges of, that, of, of following God and trusting him, sometimes we need the blessing and the encouragement of our brothers and sisters around us, right? Sometimes you just need people to believe along with you or maybe even believe when you don't believe and pray for you when you can't pray anymore, when you don't want to pray anymore. You're sick of praying because you're sick of hearing wait, wait, or no, no. And sometimes God sends to us Elizabeth's, right, to prop you up and affirm you, say, come on, blessed are you because you believe. Don't we all need that? Don't we all want that? And this is why going back to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, it says, let us not neglect assembling and gathering together. Why? So that we can exhort each other to love and to good works. And where does good works come from? Faith, right? We got to encourage each other with our faith, inner faith. And how do we do that if we're isolating ourselves? And so this is why it's so important. This is why you hear Pastor Susang and, and myself and, and probably your brothers and sisters keep, keep assembling, keep coming to us. That's why we have small groups. We try to offer as many of those as we can. And if there's not a small group that matches you, we tell you, make one because you need it so that we can do this for each other. Okay, so faith encouragement point uh, number three, you aren't supposed to have faith all by yourself. You're not supposed to do it all by yourself. We can help each other. And I also want to say, put yourself in a position where you can be helped, right? Make yourself available to be helped. And don't neglect meeting together with your brothers and sisters here at church. All right. So, that's uh, faith encouragement number three. Um, and that kind of brings us to faith encouragement point number four. Why should we trust Yahweh? Um, we should trust Yahweh because he has a perfect track record. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Because he has a perfect track record in both word and in deed. And if you knew somebody who kept every promise that he ever made and never, ever welched on any of them, never broke a single promise, and if you also knew somebody who had amazing, you know, uh, ability to just like do everything that he put his mind to do and had this power and ability, you would think, among many things, I can trust this person. <laughs> if they say something to me and make a promise to me, I can trust them. Like, I can trust them like, if I can't trust them, I can't trust anything, right? We can trust Yahweh because he has a perfect track record in both word and deeds. And so here are a couple of uh, verses. There we go. Ezekiel 12, 28. 
says this. Let's read this together. Therefore, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, none of my words will be delayed any longer. Whatever I say will be fulfilled, declares the sovereign Lord. All right. Numbers 23, 19. I don't know why it's in blue. <laughs> God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So um, we see, you know, these claims made in the Bible that he keeps every promise that he makes. This is really important for us to understand. Um, now, of course, you could make the argument, right, that, well, you know, God is saying that he doesn't break any promises. I mean, any of us could say that, right? And that's true. We could all make that claim. But then we have all of history as a record of evidence to prove that he truly has done all these things that he says he will do, and there's still more to come. And what, what is that record? It's, it's the prophets. It's the prophecies. You know, dozens and dozens, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. They're just about the Messiah alone. There are, um, I think, like 200 prophecies. And we, we talked about this years ago, right? I preached the message about that. But then there are other prophecies as well. And so, yes, every promise, every prophecy, every word that God utters, that Yahweh utters, it comes into reality. So we can trust his word. You can trust his promises. Charles Spurgeon, uh, you guys probably you know, knew, know who he is. He's a, a very often quoted preacher uh, from the uh, 1800s. And he says this about the promises of God. It's really cool. It really blessed me when I found this. The promises of God are to the believer an inexhaustible mine of wealth. Happy is it for him if he knows how to search out their secret veins and enrich himself with their hidden treasures. They are an armory containing all manner of offensive and defensive weapons. Blessed is he who has learned to enter into that sacred arsenal to put on the breastplate and the helmet and to lay his hand to the sword. They are a pharmacy. He's mixing a lot of metaphors here, right? They are a pharmacy in which the believer will find all manner of restoratives and blessed elixirs. Blessed is he who is well skilled in heavenly pharmacy and knows how to lay hold on the healing virtues of the promises of God. It's really important for you to, if you want to know, right, uh, what it is that you can trust about Yahweh, it's very important to know what the promises are that he made. We need to familiarize ourselves with those promises. It's very important. And in that way, number one, now you know what to pray for. I can't tell you how many times, you know, someone has asked me, how do we pray? And I'll tell them, just pray according to what God already said. That way you'll never lose, <laughs> right? So when you know the promises of God, when you come up against hard situations, you can 
Remember those promises and remember that every promise he has made will never, ever be broken and it will come to pass. And you can pray that way. And that, what that does is now you're not praying by your faithfulness, now you're praying by God's faithfulness. You're banking your prayer on God's faithfulness and therefore now you know your prayers will matter and have an impact and have fruit. Nothing saps prayer life like having no belief that the person you're praying to is listening or is going to have an impact. But when you base your prayers upon the things that God has already uttered and prophesied and promised, now we're talking about a different kind of prayer life. So know the promises so that you can know what to pray for. And number two, so that it can grant you strength and endurance in the time that you're waiting. So those are his words. Uh, Really quickly, I want to go through um, his actions. And we're not going to... So... Can we trust in Yahweh's power? Does Yahweh walk the walk? So all these promises. You've heard the saying, you you know, you talk the talk. You talk the big talk. Can you walk the walk, right? Can you back it up? In Yahweh's case, we've seen, right, biblical evidence and historical evidence that, yes, he does talk the talk and he backs it up, but does he also do actions? Is he also trustworthy, not just in his words, but is he trustworthy? Is he, like, competent? Is it safe to put my life in God's hands? What if he's, like, he fumbles it? What if he's not all-powerful? What if he's incompetent? Then would you trust him? Think about this, guys. Maybe you know somebody or whatever, right, who they just have a good heart and they, they keep, you know, they, their words are like gold, right? And, and, and you understand, yeah, you, you can trust them. And, but then when it comes to delivering, they forget or they prioritize something else or, Right? In order to be trustworthy, you have to be trustworthy not only in your word, you do need the word, but you also need trustworthiness in action. And so, is God competent? Is God powerful? Is he able? Well, we have a list of miracles um, in the New Testament. It's, you know, depending on how you count, there's like about 30-ish or so miracles uh, contained in just the Gospels alone. And so, here we have a whole list of how Jesus has power over the elements and nature. And just kind of take a quick look over those. You probably know a lot of these. All right? And then it continues. How about the, the power that he has not only over the elements and nature, but the power to heal disease? Okay, well, let's see. Does he? Yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, there's more. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's a pretty good resume, Jesus, right? That's a pretty good track record. Uh, but what about when they die? Can you, can you raise people to, to life? Oh, yeah. He did that a couple of times, yeah. And that also happened not only through the incarnate version of Jesus, but it happened in the Old Testament as well. 
that people come into life. Um, this isn't even talking about, it doesn't mention when Jesus was, res- uh, when he was crucified, the tombs broke open and people who were dead for years came back to life. That actually happened. Read and look it up in the gospel. So, yeah. So what I'm doing for you here is I'm, I'm helping us to remember that Yahweh is trustworthy. You may have struggles right now You may have challenges right now to your faith, like Mary. But you can trust Yahweh. You can trust the Son of God, Jesus. Because he is trustworthy in his word, and he is trustworthy in his actions. He is powerful. He is competent. He is supremely competent. There's no reason for you to have any anxiety to place your life in the hands of this God based on this historical evidence. God has a perfect track record. I want to close with Mary's song, going back to this Luke chapter 1. After her, well, not after, but at the end of the visit with Elizabeth, her relative, and receiving this blessing from her older relative, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary is. And then Mary just breaks, on, breaks out in this, it's just a song of praise called the Magnificat. It's just this utterance of joy and truth and prophesying of who God is based on what he's done. And so Mary says here in verse 47, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now notice this. This kind of gives us a little window into Mary's ability to have faith. And maybe we can learn something. Maybe this will help you. And I hope it does. Notice the verb tenses from verses, uh, is that up there? No, I don't think it's up there. Okay. Well, you should have it on your phones. Notice the, the verb tenses in verses 51 through 55. All the verb tenses are in the past. So God has already proven. Past means it's already done. It means it's a fact It means it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it happened. So deal. (laughs) And his mercy, verse 51, he has shown, he has shown, past tense, strength with his arm. He has scattered, past tense, the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down, past tense, the mighty from uh, their thrones. He exalted, past form, those of humble estate. He has filled the past, the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away. He has helped, E.D., past tense, his servant Israel in remembrance. What do you remember? Things in the past. In remembrance of his mercy, he has spoke, past tense, to our fathers, to who? Abraham and to his offspring forever. Again, going back to the messianic language that Jesus is the Messiah. This baby in me, in her, is the Messiah. And she believes it. Why? Because of God's track record. Because of all these past tense things. 
friends, brothers, sisters. The crucifixion, uh, the birth, the prophecies, all of that has happened. Past tense. All of the words he uttered, so many of them have been fulfilled. So what do you think the words that have not yet been fulfilled, what do you think is going to happen, guys? It's going to happen. It's going to be fulfilled. So your anxieties, your worries, like Mary, they are challenges. But you can put your hope and your trust in Jesus. The one who performed all these miracles. His name is the the Logos, the Word. Nothing he says doesn't come to pass. You can trust him. Let's spend some time right now to bring some situation in your life, some relationship, some circumstance that where you are like, I hear you, preacher, but it's hard. Don't worry. I want to give you this good news. In Luke 1.50, that's the middle of the very middle of her song, before she breaks out into the past tense, notice the verb in verse 50. It's a present tense. It's kind of a present imperfect tense, meaning it's going to continue. And she says this. In the Holy Spirit, she says, and God's mercy is for those who fear him. Another word for fear is trust, have faith. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. What she said generations ago still applies today to any who put their trust in Jesus. And when that angel Gabriel told Mary earlier in the chapter that the Son of the Most High will overpower you, will envelop you, and you will conceive, and he will be the Messiah, and what does he say? The angel says, he will save you from your sins. His name is Jesus Again, not just Jesus, Yeshua, which means salvation. From what? Sin and death. Mary believed, think about this, Mary believed in Jesus before Jesus was even conceived. And thus, she was counted righteous. She didn't have to do anything. She just heard struggled maybe, and then decided, I trust, I have faith in this God, in this God who's going to grow in me. She believed in the Savior before it was even in her. That's just a weird, crazy thought, but she did. And the same Jesus who was conceived in Mary came to save you from your sins too. And in Luke 150, it says, his mercy is, is for you who put your trust in him from generation to generation. Would you 
take a minute right now and just maybe on your note sheet, jot down, maybe you have a bunch of situations in your life where you're just having a hard time trusting Yahweh. It could be anything, a work situation, a family situation, a health situation, a financial situation, and you're just having a hard time just trusting God. Write that down. As you hold that piece of paper with your top anxieties and worries and areas that you're struggling to trust God in, I want to give you a reason, another reason to be able to surrender and let go and let God. While we were still weak, at the same time, Christ died for the ungodly. People will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still nasty, no reason to love us, no reason to love us, no reason to love us, Christ died for us. We have now been justified by his blood. Much more, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? And then, and later in, that's in Romans 5, in Romans 8, here's this amazing thing. So what shall we say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Say that, everybody. You can trust. And this is one of my favorite verses. Read this all together. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's already given you his son. You can trust him that he's not going to, he's not holding out. He's not like, oh, I better hide this from, you know, Jane, I better hide this from John. I'm holding out on them. No, he already gave you his best. How will he not graciously give you all things that you need? You can trust. So that thing that you wrote, you can apply this promise that he uttered and trust. We're gonna spend some time praying. So take some time right now and just pray and apply this promise of Romans 8, 35 and uh, 32 and promise and, and take that and apply it to all these areas of struggle and challenge um, that you have in your heart.